Welcome to the Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns every two weeks to pick a movie that the other person has not seen. We watch them separately and then Skype to discuss them. I am Orla McNeilis, joined by Ricardo Deacon. You are listening to Dublin Digital Radio. This week's film is The Young Girls of Roquefort. Jacques Demy followed up The Umbrellas of Cherbourg with another musical about misconnections and second chances, this one a more effervescent confection. Twins Delphine and Solange, a dance instructor and a music teacher, long for big city life. When a fair comes through their quiet poor town, so does the possibility of escape. With its jazzy Michel Legrand score, pastel paradise of costumes and divine supporting cast, The Young Girls of Roquefort is a tribute to Hollywood optimism from 60s French cinema's preeminent dreamer. This week's film was delightfully chosen by Ricardo. It was indeed. Ricardo, why did you pick this confection? Well, like, uh, I uh, had watched... Funnily enough, every other Jack Demi movie except this one until a oh. few months ago, maybe two months ago. Oh, uh, okay. I saw this. And, uh, I just fell in love with it. And then <laughs> I was like, I want to watch it again. But, you know, without how many movies there are in the world to be watched, you have to have a reason to rewatch something that you only watched two months ago. Uh, so me and Alex like fell uh, head over heels over this movie. It was the kind of movie that as soon as it started, we started like broad, broad smiles in our faces for the whole two-hour duration of the movie. And then uh, the same way that the movie's book ended with them getting into Rockford and leaving Rockford, it just felt like you've described movies before like warm hugs. And I think that this movie uh, is uh, deserving of that title. Um, it's the type of movie that really is able to pull off one of the most difficult aspects of filmmaking, which is magic realism. That it is like a movie that is about coincidences and uh, cross paths crossing and timing and stuff like that. And it is incredibly constructed as a story. But it doesn't feel that the movie is cheating you for do like for like withholding uh, uh, meetings and stuff like that. And I think it's very unique as a love story. Let's say that the lovers, quote unquote, throughout the movie do not meet until the very final act. But you're still pining for them to be together, which is very uh, unique because, like in for example, um, these are lovers who have literally never met or if they have met, they just bumped in for like two seconds. And somehow the movie, because it has this like it's the type of movie that needs to be a musical. We spoke uh, about it before that it needs that barrier to like break the realism to be able to be as ridiculous as it is, because if this 
we had the discussion during um, Umbrellas of Cherbourg that you went, I love this movie, but I didn't want it to be a musical. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't think that this movie could ever remotely work without being a musical. Because it, even uh, in the tradition of really like high... Uh, highly fucking strong French comedies, it'd be too much coincidence, it'd be too much hijinks, let's say, uh, if it was just played straight. But at the same time, it is played straight. It's a musical that it is like completely a musical of the Hollywood variety, not uh, not an operetta like uh, Umbrellas of Cherbourg. This has dialogue and people going mm -hmm. into music and dancing and stuff like that that you wouldn't have found in Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Delphine, viens voir, ils sont arrivés. Ils s'installent sur la place. Tu sais, les gosses sont jamais prêts. Faudra les faire répéter dimanche matin. Bon, non. Tu crois? Nous sommes de sœurs jumelles, nés sous le signe des gémeaux. Mi face à la mireille, ré mi face à le sol, sol, ré do. This and The Red Shoes, I'd say, are the two most colorful movies I've ever seen. And also two of the movies that are so dependent on the color. Like the color mm. itself brings so much life and texture to the movie that if it was like even more subdued, it not like I don't think that even like the dancing sequences between Georges Chakri and uh, his friend, I can remember the na name of the, the, the actor, like the two carnies, if they didn't have the best like pastel shirts and matching ties <laughs> of different colors they're wearing like like high white boots yes as well. like uh, <laughs> I, the costumes are just incredible like from everybody is just perfectly dressed i don't know how they uh, made even the sailor costumes they usually look in real life silly they made it even sillier but somehow <laughs> cool like um maximum's uh, how do you make it more camp <laughs> yeah like the maximum's trousers are so short i think he's like wearing tap shoes as well and then somehow it also works uh with jim kelly being in the movie and not being like just stone casting like uh i suppose the fact that jim kelly actually lived in france for a long time so like he's actually yeah i did uh, speak like his dialogue is him speaking like it's not him singing because uh, he couldn't uh sing well in french so they got a a french canadian singer to sing with an american accent to match his accent oh. so like uh, even fact. at that there's like uh, attention to detail let's say I'm sorry, mademoiselle, mais je suis amoureux. Vous avez de la chance. Je fais ce que je peux. Certes, si mon dame est à des pas d'ici, 
Je rencontre une fille et j'en deviens crazy La fille a disparu mais l'amour m'a choisi But you can really tell that Gene Kelly appreciates uh, the music and the direction. So, like, it's not like, uh, as you often see, that I think we've discussed it before, that you get uh, low-budget B-movies and they're, like, loaded with, like, amazing local actors. And then you get, like, an American actor just there for the paycheck <laughs> and is awful <laughs> and brings the whole... The, the whole movie into disrepute, disrepute. but in this case they're only there for distraction yeah like it's only there so like they can have it in the fucking poster in the background kind of thing but like I think that uh, Gene Kelly is really good in this movie I think that um, not to say that Agnes Varda needed to marry another filmmaker I'm not saying that mm -hmm. but if she had to marry another filmmaker during the Nouveau Vague. It had to be Jacques Demy. I'm so glad it was Jacques Demy. <laughs> they they shared this sense of uh, human humanism and just like sh fucking complete empathy that is just incredible. Like it's um, even the smaller character, smallest character has like a full life, like uh, from Pepe the the. <laughs> I think that like in subtitles is like grumps, but it's like yeah. Pepe. Like, yeah. But they all call him that. Yeah, well. it's always like oh bonjour Pepe. I'm like, is that like derogatory? <laughs> and then the weirdly modern cafe that like you you could like imagine going like to like Prague or something and like sitting for like a cup of very expensive overpriced mm. beer there for a beautiful glass. And like uh, I think that even like the the bit like the, the every character is flawed in a way, but doesn't seem seedy. That it's somehow like even the carnies. It's like it's really it's actually uh, they do fall in love with every woman and they want to sleep with every woman, but it's because they actually fall in love very quickly because maybe of their like. Uh, Nomadic yeah, lifestyle. that's the pro uh, that's the price that they play pay in a way that is like short but intense relationships in a way, and I think that the in any other hands they would be like disgusting, but they're mm -hmm. so full of life and stuff that it, like even thinking and also it has to be said that like Michelle Legrand's music again much like uh, in Umbrellas of Cherbourg is in incredible it even has like that stupid joke whenever they're like w would you like some vivardi some fucking louis armstrong or some michelle legrand <laughs> wink wink <laughs> and like uh, the only disappointment in this movie i suppose is that during the the song the twins they say that they like puns but when maximus goes to uh to uh, Solange and says that his uh, uh, his leave is imminent or whatever the pun is regarding uh, Nantes since he's going to Nantes and she didn't like the pun and I'm like you said that you liked puns in a song this is fake news mm -hmm. thank you 
But uh, did you read anything about the 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 actress that plays Solange, Catherine Deneuve's sister in this? It's her sister. Yeah, I read like that she died young or tragic. She died before this movie was released. Like uh, she oh. tried horribly in a car crash, like fucking like going to Paris, like trying to catch a flight. And it is like she got caught inside the car wall and went on fire. And the only way that the fucking <gasps> that they at the time, there was no like fucking dental records or whatever. The only way that they could uh, actually identify her was because they could fu- they found like uh, her plane ticket and the burnt passport in the car. It's fucking horrendous. Oh I, uh, she was in this in a Polanski movie in the same year. She, it was like the year that she was supposed to like break out. Uh, yeah. And like watching this more than once is just incredibly sad that that happened because oh, she's goodness, so, so talented. Sad. Like I think that it's fairly rare to see Catherine Deneuve overstaged. And I think that she is in this movie slightly by Solange. Yeah, she really doesn't like... It's not that she's... I don't want to say that she's overstaged, but it's more... You kind of forget that she's Catherine Deneuve. Yeah. You know, because they're both sort of on equal footing, which is, I didn't realize until afterwards that uh, they were actually sisters. So it was like. Uh. And the the thing uh, before I pass it to you, to you, like the the thing that really impressed me with the movie is how memorable it is. That there are like mm-hmm. moments and scenes and shots that it just stays in my brain, like uh, like something as simple as like Catherine Deneuve walking down the street and then suddenly two by- bystanders picking her up and suddenly like a dance starts or whatever and it's just with like a lateral track yeah exactly like and it's just there's a joie de vivre in the movie that mm-hmm. is like really really amazing and like it makes me smile just to think about it and visualize it in my brain and i think that the the three the three strip technicolor is just so mind-blowing like i you know you have like loads of people like fucking fincher and steven soderbergh shooting films like trying to do it exactly how they used to do it but you don't see a lot of people shooting three strip technicolor anymore i suppose because it's superbly expensive because it's three three film like it's triple the 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 film but i suppose like if you're fincher and you went i want to do like a movie that in the 60s maybe if i cut my takes in half i can <laughs> I, don't I don't know i think i think he's just disappeared too far up the like 8k yeah he's gone down the fucking rabbit <laughs> hole like uh... so uh, without further ado what did you think of uh the moselle de Roca for um we <laughs> all the way back in episode 33 we did the uh, umbrellas of Cherbourg and uh i gave it the tagline um if only I, if only it wasn't a musical imagine how much i would like it <laughs> um the funny thing about that when we did Cherbourg was that i had no relationship to to me because obviously i hadn't seen that movie but also i had no relationship to agnes farda and now it's hard to watch his films without thinking about her. She also has a cameo in this very briefly as a nun, I think, but you can't really quite tell it's her. But, um, I mean, yeah, so not that, 
you can't separate them as artists but she is always there in the back of my mind because like she's kind of become a spirit animal for me because she's so fabulous um and when you were talking about seeing movies at the right point in your life that's kind of how i felt when i saw faces places that it was so like special and really yeah at the time i watched it but um yeah they're they are kind of like cinema's ultimate couple like of the sort of creativity and the support between each other and um as well she i'm pretty sure she's the one who when we're talking about the color she's the one who restored the film i think because the version definitely version i had i don't know if it was criterion or what but um she's credited as have been i think she was involved uh both the Mm. umbrellas of cherbourg and this one as well like i think that uh, in umbrellas it was slightly harder because they didn't have they couldn't find a good version of the original negative so even the Mm. restored version doesn't look as good as uh young girls are record for because like i think that this is yeah this it is it is stunning like when it's it's just so it's like crystal clear as well like it's not just the colors it's 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 beautiful like to to look at um yeah like you just obviously umbrella sherborg you described as like an operetta because um there's no <laughs> there's no there's no break <laughs> um which i think you thought sherborg was a good choice first because there's no like jarring element of suddenly bursting into song after talking for a bit because there's like little a bridge between each song basically, um, which was noble but obviously fruitless <laughs> because I still didn't like that. <laughs> like so, this film is like different. Um, so the songs are kind of their own separate thing, and there's like conversations in between, which is like a choice. Um, it's it's very appealing. It's beautiful. It's rich. It's warm. I mean, the opening scene is stunning. It like it of the there's one shot where they're like looking over a bridge and you see all the like support lines of the bridge while the ferry is going and they're all dancing and I was like la la land la la land fuck you damage cell. The more movies I see, the more I'm like god, he took all the beautiful visual elements of all these films and like hung them around an incredibly awful pointless story um (laughs) my hatred for la la land only grows not quite but um yeah like the the choreography in this i saw some people criticize the dancing i don't know if people who are like massive fred astaire fans kind of in the same way of how La La Land was criticized because the two main actors are not singers or dancers, which is fine. Like people are like, you know, American musical, in particular of a certain era, purists, which is fine. I don't have any choreography background. So for me, it looked lovely. Um, (laughs) It did also make me think of like uh, playtime at times as well, of the choreography with the music and, you know, and then then, like, it's it's very impressive. Um, It is like fondant though. Um, and I don't know if that's, I don't feel like that was something I said about Sherborg uh, because I felt much more emotional attachment to Sherborg and that the ending of Sherborg and, um, it, it has a real weight to it. You feel very invested in their relationship and the doomed element of it. It feels like more of a melodrama than this is. This is a lot slighter, um, which I f- this this film is too long, f- for sure. Um, it, it's <laughs> there are songs that are repeated, um, and reprised is the the musical term. <sighs> that that's 
fine and I don't mind when particularly as they're used as like little connecting pieces of of like of soundtrack or score like you see that in other musicals of like you know of characters moving into the next scene or whatever and like I've no problem with that but like there's a whole bit where Sailor Mad is just repeating a song and you're like yeah we yeah okay um so the the, the songs start and I'm like ooh, ooh and then by the end I'm kind of like oh okay that's okay I'm a bit, okay I'm kind of tired of this night oh. um like one of my problems with Cherbourg and musicals in general is that it takes them longer to deliver information because they're singing it. So you have one point that is said over ten choruses, <laughs> and <laughs> you're like, "Yeah, okay, oh, okay, we need to." And like in something in with the twins and their their number. It's fun because it's like you like the repetition of it because it's a fun song and they're like, you know, you know, Gemini's and you know, and it's like, yeah. But then when people are talking about how they're trying to find their true love, they've traveled a lot and they have not found them. And you're like, okay, that's a, that's a nice little point. And it goes on for like four minutes and it becomes kind of tiresome because I feel no real emotional weight to it. It's just, it's a little bit slight, which... I do want to say, like, I did not, I did not hate this film. I found it like a delightful company. It is beautiful to look at, and yeah, I, I, like, I try, I try really hard. I've, I've tried to get over the, you know, Ooh, musicals bad. Brr, I like musicals, and I listen to you. I listen to other people who love musicals, and I watch, you know, hour-long YouTube videos about Le Mis and why it's why you know whenever certain songs are sung and in the stage versions of it, it's like, you know, your 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 heart explodes with the emotion of it, and and I I, I can never quite get there because I I don't know why what it is because it's not that like. I, there are albums that I love that are complete story arcs within themselves and like when you get to certain points in the album you're like oh you know and it's I, I yeah I, I don't know like compared to like musicals that I do like like The Sound of Music where the scenes outside of the musical parts even though the musical parts tell stories and they you know expand the narrative the, the scenes outside of those are still as important as the musical bits are. And, you know, it, it's... Oh, I love, I love the sound of music so much. But, I think um, that partly is that the sound of music, even though it's written by uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein, which are the, like, goats, like two of the, the most important yeah. uh, uh, people when it comes to musicals is that the sound of music itself is not really structured as a musical mm. it's structured as a epic Hollywood story and then it's just <laughs> fucking songs just like literally like pasted over the story it should not work whatsoever but I think that the best movies are that those movies that shouldn't work at all they, but somehow they, the they, they do work and they land on it <laughs> because like for example like something that like you were mentioning there is that i think that yes and no when it comes to uh like how messages are delivered let's say that i think that 
musicals have like for example this movie has quite a, a few of them they usually uh, there are i am songs they're actually called mm-hmm. i am songs because you have like even a famous one is i am don quixote from man of la mancha <laughs> that is as the character is introduced they they tell what who they are not only in the sense of what they are as a character but what their meaning is in the movie hear me now oh thou bleak and unbearable world thou art base and debauched as can be and the knight with his banners all bravely unfurled now hurls down his gauntlet to thee i am i don quixote the lord of la mancha my And this has a few I Am songs, the Gemini Twins, so you know, but there, it's already linking in a way that it's necessary. That's why I was saying that I think that this movie only works as a musical because that links the two characters uh, inherently because you meet them while they sing a duet. And then mm. it, it manages to work whenever Maximus meets uh, Solange that he feels a pang of something there, but not quite the love of her, his life because he's not Catherine Deneuve. And it's the same yeah. as when Gene Kelly meets Catherine Deneuve, that there's a moment that he's there like going like, oh, I they have a connection. I have a connection, but it's, not right. but it's not the full connection. I'm waiting for the full connection. And I think that because even when they're separate, you see them as a, a duet almost. Adolescent, je rêvais de conquérir le monde. Je n'étais amoureux que de croches ou de rondes. Combien de fois le corps d'un piano m'a ravi? Pour un fortissimo, j'aurais donné ma vie. The, the two carnies, like Georges Ackery and uh, his friend, uh, Alex uh, very uh, uh, smartly. Uh, refer to them as like the original Bill and Ted because they yeah. <laughs> they even say like we love you Very which good. is like the bit in Bill and Ted that is like we love the babes we'll save you babes like I think that in that sense is that it need like it both might like take four minutes let's say if the song you think is too long I can't argue against that but w- what it covers mm-hmm. in the sense like if it was a regular movie, you can't sit the character, sit the character down, and suddenly for no reason explain to people what he is, <laughs> why he is, and what his role in the movie is as clearly as in a musical. So otherwise, you'd have like in this movie that you have maybe ten characters that have I am songs. You like if you're not gonna make it completely except except Gramps who doesn't get one which was quite upsetting. yeah he doesn't get any singing but <laughs> I think it just feels long or something I, I think as well like I have no solution for this um like I I can't imagine this without the singing in it but I I, I feel like there's nothing you could do to this film that would make me love it as much as you do without it just being a different yeah. film if you know what I mean and like. Uh, like I was looking at different reviews of it as well, and um, <laughs> I love looking at IMDb for the negative reviews. Same with Letterbox, people who give things one star just out of like 
I looked at the poster and it wasn't what I thought. But uh, <laughs> I love it. But it's also good for um, for longer form uh, reviews of things. And sometimes there's like really beautiful writing just hidden in there. And um, like there was one guy in particular um, just pointing out that you will either love this to begin with or else it will just never sit right with you because it's such a particular film. And <clears throat> yeah, like probably having more history with this and, and kind of knowing what to expect from it as well. It's like, it, it probably gives me less, you know, and maybe as well that I was kind of open to being transported to this world completely. Uh, it's funny, it made me think of, um, we just finished The Queen's Gambit, um, the Netflix film about uh, superhero chess players, um, <laughs> which is, do you know anything about The Queen's Gambit? Uh, it's on our to-do list to to watch. I would say 100% watch it. It's like seven episodes. You will inhale it. It's a delight. Great chess stuff as well. I don't know how to play chess or indeed anything about it. And you will not learn how to play chess by watching this. But um, it has it's it has a similar kind of like <laughs> otherworldly sanitized slightness <laughs> to it that this film has. Obviously, this is a much higher level of like of the of the like surreal realism like that i'm not saying the queen's gambit is in any way like that but it has a similar it's, it's a similar ear as well it's like 60s and you know a lot of that show i end up kind of like looking at the dresses and going wow you know and at times i had the same thing with this where eventually i would stop listening to the music and just kind of look at this at the dresses <laughs> Which you know, and I I, I have to contend against the slightness of this movie. Like, uh, mm. there's a lot of like political fucking commentary in the movie, uh, especially because it is like the Gaullist France and during they do talk a lot Algeria. about the army. Yeah, and only like I think that is both the army and the idea of like. Um, like even the guy, like I didn't catch it the first time that we were watching it, and then uh, Alex mentioned to me like. What's up with the with the guy that ended up murdering the woman? Yeah, that was weird. I did very much enjoy when she's like singing about it, though. He's like, "Oh, our friend. Oh, yes, he went. Oh, he slashed her. There, there's a manhunt." It's like, yeah, but like the thing is that uh, he didn't. He was framed because of like uh, by the government because every single scene he pops up, he's just criticizing like the army and going like they're gonna put us against the wall and shoot us or whatever that he has the bang of a communist let's say but you can't say it out loud at the time do you know this or are you reading into this because this seems like a stretch for me i'm reading into it but like i think that it is the considering also like what jack demi thought about militarism that both this and uh, and on umbrellas of cherbourg have about like how not only affecting the lives like pacifism not only that they shouldn't be like killing people in Algeria but also how like individually for French people having to go over there and getting their lives completely derailed by mm. what's happening even like the amount of times that like there's a couple of times that people mentioned this like Maximum says that he's going back to civilian life on Monday and they say to him something like, oh, maybe they'll keep you because the world is shit. And he's like, please mm. don't say that because he's already kind of like... All he wants to do is be a painter. A painter poet, which is like... <laughs> 
and I love like even the the like the uh, even in the smaller details like holding back and not showing him meeting his, the ideal woman let's say again mm-hmm. the we just know that they but do he does find yeah her. but well we assume yeah because he gets in the same truck uh she's in like uh i was thinking if you're like how How awkward would that be for everyone else like packing the truck where he's like (laughs) i kind of wanted a little like like michael clayton ending but it's just him kind of like looking lustfully at her like across like four other people (laughs) because it's the 60s and seatbelts do not exist and uh uh, i kind of like like i was thinking about how different the world was that she just leaves her sister behind and Rockefeller is like, well, I never see her again. Or I had to like. <laughs> she doesn't even, there's no like, she doesn't really think about it either. It's just like, okay, <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. And <laughs> It's like, it's not like you're WhatsApping or going, hey, where the hell are you? I'm already on the van. <laughs> and I think that like, uh, similarly, like because of the movie making the comments of uh, how the entire world is shit. And then when the movie meets every character, it's their life are kind of shit or kind of in a rut or in a routine mm, kind of thing. I think a rut, yeah. And it's all kind of coming to a head for And everyone. I think for everyone it comes to a head, but also for the people that don't, that for example, the two carnies don't get the girls that they fell in love with, but they realize mm. that now they want to settle down kind of thing, that they've gone past the... It clicked, let's say, the moment that, mm. like, now I know what I want in life, even if I didn't get it now. I can start looking for it, let's say, that it's uh, in even there is implication that maybe when they meet the next two girls or whatever, they'll be like a lot more uh, like they'll have more of an intention for the future rather than the moment, which in itself is not like, not um... wrong. I think that it's also not wrong because you can uh, um, they me clearly also positions the two girls that he they were with that they had the same mentality so it's like it's always okay if you're in a fling as long as both people in the fling oh, yeah. know that they're in a fling let's say the problem is when you're going to somebody going like oh yeah you're the love of my life and then two weeks later it's like ah, actually <laughs> i just wanted to fuck so <laughs> so I, and i think like like the uh, movie itself is also boys. saying like the the idea that it's like everything can become better but also the the drama like personal dramas are as big and over dramatic as geopolitical dramas let's say but it's also mm-hmm. that in the end they're easier to overcome because you can always open yourself up to somebody else it's a decision that you're making rather than uh, feeling powerless and i think the that moment that the movie came out and the moment that i watched it it matched the kind of because it was like pre-election as well <laughs> you know what i mean that is the just as a timestamp for people <clears throat> just as a timestamp for people joe biden is the next president so like you know what i mean that it is like i think that there is a depth that is that it is both uh 
It's like a cake with a lot of icing around, but the the sponge actually has a lot of flavor as well. It's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> you have to balance your flavors. It can't all just be fun. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, like I have to say the I do I love the 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 neatness of it of the but also the like of the film makes you wait, which I kind of enjoy for like all these people to finally get together, but they don't quite have like big overwrought sequences or anything. They kind of dance together and it's all very like PG. But um yeah, I have to say it's um <laughs> Gene Kelly is quite funny in this. Um he looks very strange i have to say i i don't know if, if gene kelly had like plastic surgery or what but he looks very like stretched or something i, I don't know I, I didn't feel like he looked very well considering that he's a very handsome man and was quite a handsome man i thought in later life as well probably it's, like it's 2k very... is not kind on older gents maybe i i don't know it's the um, same as watching something like uh star trek the next generation that the tv sets were like the the sets were designed for like 480p <laughs> like <laughs> little shit box tvs that they're like oh nobody will ever notice that when we press the buttons the whole set moves <laughs> or you know like the everything is painted <laughs> click like, you can see like the paint like uh remember watching an episode of star trek next generation that they like created they updated it to 4k now like there's like blu-ray 4k mm-hmm. and you can see like the paint peeling <laughs> we weren't prepared for this um but everyone else looks fabulous though that's the thing like of, of varying ages and so i i don't know it's like his skin is strange or something but um and saying that uh after um she meets him it has quite possibly <laughs> the funniest line in this entire movie which is where she's singing about this encounter with her ideal man she says he says with his emotions growing excuse me miss your slip is showing <laughs> dirty and also like camp as hell <laughs> I was like, she says like three different times i was just like man to have such potent love at first sight um i do like the repetition of the um of um because this only takes place over what three days two days three four it would be like friday to monday yeah and i do like the the constant of the like Catherine Deneuve is at the the school getting their shitty little brother, and then <laughs> and then she, you know, it, it's the constant returning to it. Even whenever they have to leave, they have to go back. And I, you know, I like the little um, the use of the little time capsule of it. I can I know what a time capsule is. Um, <laughs> and I love the the, the sense of box. place that this movie has. Like there is like you actually create like a geographical map of the town mm-hmm. in your head as you watch it. Like, who would have thought that make a Hollywood style musical, but shoot it in location or make it? I suppose like that's part of what makes Sound of Music so amazing as well. That so much of it is shot on location in Salzburg. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you watch it's not quite a musical, but you watch the the Red Shoes, which will be a pick in the future. Uh, you watch the red shoes and like the whole staginess of it is like part of the charm. Um, I'm starting to wonder the more we talk about this and the more I think about musicals that maybe I should just see musicals on stage. 
because and musicals will only exist in that realm for me which i know is a controversial statement because i don't like theater but i did watch the filmed version of hamilton and loved it so either hamilton is just the outlier or maybe i needed to start going to the theater well there's a lot of like things in musicals that work better in a cinema set in the theater setting than in cinema but also i think that it mm. takes a very special director to understand what the difference is and how to translate the stage version into a movie version something that somebody mm. like your man hooper tom hooper really mm. doesn't understand <laughs> because yes um, i will link a cinema essay on why that's such a failure particularly in comparison to the stage versions there's a guy that did a very interesting breakdown inside like the score musicals, is it? but it's super interesting inside huh? the score or i can't remember what it's or called. the he did an episode on Sh- he did uh, a video on shrek as well oh yeah like <laughs> I, I i follow him yeah. on on youtube yeah, as well. yeah very very interesting so what was your favorite thing? Oh, actually, before I forget, uh, there was another there was another quote from one of the reviews on IMDb where um, described it as Demi loves chocolate box movies and complimented them with chocolate box music, <laughs> which I thought was lovely. But uh, yeah, what was your favorite thing? I think it's the style of the movie. Like uh, I love the performances and I really love the music and I like. But like the production design and how it's shot, like that combination, I think that, you know, it's just stays in your mind the way that the movie looks. I think it's very memorable the way that even like uh, Dam's uh, music shop is really... I wish I spoke French in order to get some of the jokes around people's names. Yeah, well, like Madame Dam is like. Yeah. I know it's like yeah, but it doesn't yeah. <laughs> I'm like okay, that's that's funny. I need to be French. And uh, I, I I I well, like you suppose that uh, that'd be one of them. But I think more than anything is the optimism of the movie. That I think mm. that, and it's amazing how. You know, like a lot of um, people wouldn't realize that two completely contradictory thoughts can live in one person's brain. Uh, But I think that it's amazing that somebody that the person that wrote and directed Umbrellas of Cherbourg did this movie, which is like, Mm. I love the optimism of this movie the same way that I love the pessimism of Umbrellas. I think that they're like the perfect coin like musical coin because they're yeah like, that makes they're sense. both part of one but they're opposites you're a painter and a poet and i just love that that it's like the counterbalance and i think that perhaps is like the same way that i think that the me influenced uh some of varda's work i think the varda influenced a lot of his work and i think that in mm. this sense is probably is like the Cherbourg is like him looking at the world and writing about how he feels about the world. And this is more him looking at his life and making a movie about how he feels about his life. And I think that because mm-hmm. he lives within the world as well, that there is like they both live in the same universe. So that's why I'm like, I was really interested in the fact that 
his characters populate and come and go kind of thing. And even though this is probably the one that is most separate from the others, it's still so completely linked to umbrellas in its DNA that it's, it's a the cinematic same universe. universe. Yeah. You, in the best sense. Yeah, like my favorite thing is the optimism, I suppose, and how it reacts to his other movies. I don't know how I would have felt about this movie without being the last one of his cinema filmography to mm. watch, you know. Why did it take so long for you to watch it? I don't know, like maybe it was like I don't know when the 2K restoration came out and I do, like a lot of the Mies movies like I saw Umbrellas of Cherbourg before the renovation I watched it in the IFI mm-hmm. I think and it was like quite washed out and stuff and it was a revelation whenever oh, no. like the restoration came out I watched it in the cinema as well and the other ones I watched I think it was Criterion DVDs I took out like a rented the box set that I, that I had <sighs> R.A.P. Laserdisc still. So, uh, yeah, so I can't remember why. There, there must have been a reason. It could have been just that it's like, oh, yeah, I couldn't find it that weekend. And it just went off my list because at the time I was like consuming so many movies. I was watching four or five mm. movies a week minimum. And sometimes like 20 movies a week I'd watch. And like nowadays, I'm like, how did I manage to have a drinking problem, work full time, <laughs> go to college and watch 20 movies? Oh, yeah, when we were also watching loads of movies yeah, in so college. Like, I don't know. But... <laughs> Not all diamonds. What was your favorite thing? If there was something that would. Oh, don't be so down. Um, there were loads of things I loved about this. Um I think it's probably it's either the production design or the choreography, and I I mean like choreography not just in uh, the dancing but also in the blocking and where the actors are in the frame at all times. So even like whenever she first goes to the music shop, like movement from the till over to um, the piano. Also, I love him and his little soldiers that he keeps hiding. <laughs> which I very much enjoy. It's like, oh, customers. Uh, I also love the shop, the music shop, um, very much reminded me of the umbrella shop in Sherbrooke as well, where there's like three things in it. Um, <laughs> it's just like a massive room with a piano in it. Um, also, another lovely thing was that he finds the music uh, and then plays it and your hand's like I know that I've heard that and he's like playing it and she comes in and she's like oh, you found it it's like oh I do love the little the little connections and stuff but um yeah it's it's the movement all the time of like where the actors are and it means that whenever they do break into song it's it's not like jarring at all like it, there's so much musicality to it all the time um which is it is it's it's delightful to look at it, it really is um and there has to be said also uh, that as characters and as like 1960s especially the female characters have a lot of like of action and like mm-hmm. uh, motivation and also like internal motivations they each one has its their individual dreams like uh, as mm women also the fact that they got raised by a single woman that's like a businesswoman as well that uh... she says that very matter-of-factly as well which i quite enjoyed for the time that she's like you know oh, i have two two children from another lover you know it's like 
they're you know she it's not sad and like oh oh goodness me it's like you know and she is you know running this apparently very successful business um and she calls it um a fishbowl at one point i think her her kind of like strange glass open very modern um cafe which i would love to spend an afternoon in uh, reading like faust or something and then you also have the the fact that like the people that fall in love with them are not just because they're beautiful it's like because mm-hmm. they're like you know like the it's both the beauty but also the substance in a way that you can which is like interesting for the time i suppose that a like Agnes wouldn't have been too happy. <laughs> if you just... I don't think you could marry. I don't think you could marry Agnes Varda and then like, or I don't think Agnes Varda would have married him if he made movies like that. But I think it's uh, like important for whatever reason. It is important to note that mm-hmm. that especially like in the musical, like their songs are not about like, oh, I want the prince. Like they're going to Paris for not to find the man. They do talk a lot about their ideal men, though, in fairness. But then the men talk about their ideal women. So it's like... Yeah, like, and I think it's part of also, like, you know, like, the the importance, I think, that of the... of love. The the mom going, like, yeah, that you can have both. You can be the independent Mm -hmm. woman and want a partner and, like, love a man kind of thing. You can both... Like, both things exist. So what was your least favorite thing? Like, uh, probably the thing with the serial killer. Uh, like, or the killer, or whatever it's called. <laughs> like, even though I, like, looking at it now, I think that there, there, there is something there. But at the same time, I don't think it's, it's clear enough. Uh, if, it is, if I'm correct, uh, I think that, it, like, it shouldn't require repeated viewings for it. And I think it's the only bit that you go like, why is it there kind of thing? I get it on the side of the woman because it's like the song that she sings about her. It's that it could almost be any of them further down the road. You know, the like the idea that almost not going for your dreams and then you just like coast through lives and then 40 years later somebody kills you and i suppose it's also like the bit of uh reality it's very rose for emily yeah and i suppose that is also like the bit of like reality seeping in into the romanticism that you can have like somebody that is obsessed with a woman in the way that like maximum and uh jim kelly's character are but their intentions are true, let's say. And then you can have, if you take it on face value, that supposedly she was like leading him on for 40 years and then he just snapped one day and killed her, that you can also have that unhealthy kind of pining. So like, that's the only mm. other reason why I think that that be there. But at the same time, like, I think that there's a reason and I think that it, it is textual that like the information I'm gathering is in there. Then maybe even that he snapped because he was tortured by the police as a leftist or something. I don't know. But I think that there's enough there to say that there's a, a reason. Communist. But I don't I don't know exactly like in a movie that gives you all the other answers. I think that you can't have something unanswered. 
You know, you can have a movie that is all about subtlety and the things that are left unsaid. And I'll appreciate that because that's because that would be consistent with the rest of the movie. Well, th- that moment is not mm-hmm. consistent with and also like Maximus going to view the thing and they're like the police are just dry, like cleaning the blood of the street. It's a little bit too happy. <laughs> That scene was so bizarre. It goes from like your one singing cheerfully about this like slasher killing and then to like, ah, oh, yes, the blood, it flowed in the streets. And you're like, uh-huh, let's go back to this meat cute, shall we? It was, yeah, it was a little strange. And what was your least favorite thing? Um, I think it's I think it's the length probably. I think if it was a little bit snappier because it is two hours, and I think if it was a little bit snappier, I I I would have grown tired. I wouldn't have grown tired of it after a while, which I think is how I ended up confused about the dad because I clearly just stopped paying attention to the songs after a while, uh, which is like my own fault. But also, yeah, it, it's it just it needed like a little bit of tightening, and that I don't think that means that the the, the film needed to have like more like direction or whatever like what i loved about sherborg was that it was such a small little world and just the lives of these characters and with a broader context of like loss misconnections and you know all all of mr demy's communist leanings um but um yeah it i it did when i put it on i was like oh two hours okay and i don't think it quite aired it's two hours but you know that's this was no disaster i don't want you feeling like you failed I'm gr- like I'm glad like I, I don't think my heart would have been <laughs> able to take it is pure delicious escapism I would say um and but and that that makes it sound as if like it's not beautifully crafted as well which it a hundred percent is like there's no false step here in like I mean the costumes the the cinematography like it is it, and performances as well it must be said that um like the two sisters are fantastic um it's a very kind of like ensemble i would say like they are the main <laughs> characters but everyone sort of has their little part to play particularly the mother the mother character is quite interesting like i'd say that the least my least favorite thing in this movie is the fact that um, she died in real life man that it makes it so much more tragic also she was like 26 27 when she died mm. which is like it's too damn young. Yeah. Oh. Well, on, on that, that note, note um, <laughs> uh, they are my, my favorite power couple of cinema, I have to say. And uh, I really, because I kind of did a bit of Googling earlier, wanted to sort of find out more about him and his life. And I think the best way to find that out is to just watch the films that she made about him. Because, yeah, Jacques, uh, Jacques you know, Dunant, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, which I am going to do because... It's a really, really good movie. Like, uh, yeah, I'll send you the ones uh, his and hers that I really liked, like as primers Mm -hmm. kind of thing. uh, If you'd be interested, cool, excellent. Uh, So, where (laughs) can they find us? Uh, They can find us on Twitter at the Rec Game, on Facebook, the Recommendation Game. Although I have toyed with the idea of just getting rid of the Facebook because I'm very tired of facebook and i 
maybe we'll direct all our efforts towards Twitter. I don't know. Who knows? But uh, they can email us at therecommendationgame at gmail.com. They can find us on Dublin Digital Radio every second Monday at 11 to 12 GMT. And you can find us on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud. You can also support Dublin Digital Radio and independent radio and people like us who just get together and play music or talk about music or talk about things or talk about movies uh, by going to the Dublin Digital Radio Patreon. And yeah, I feel this film is probably going to come out, or this film, this episode is probably going to come out as close as possible to our actual four year anniversary. So um, I'll look into that further but either way happy birthday <laughs> to us Christ. and the strange endeavor um and how many you. episodes is that this is 153 now <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> yeah never thought i'd do 153 of anything <laughs> like i know but here we are um to 153 more if we're still alive um <laughs> so yeah next week's film it's chosen by Orla. Yes, uh, I am choosing the vast of night. Um, uh, it's a prime choice. Oh, I'm very much looking forward to talking about this film because uh, I would actually advise you if you don't have good speakers. Um, to... I have a, a, a soundbar with a soundwoofer. So... Okay, grand. Because we tried to watch it just with our TV speakers. And also, like, there's we'd air, it would just no. So I watched it then again with headphones, and actually made a very big difference. So um, I'd recommend either you know and, and crank up your volume because you don't want to miss a single moment of this because the sound design is fantastic. Um, but yeah, very much looking forward to that discussion. So until then, I was. I wish I could. Je m'appelle Orla Vanillas. Je m'appelle Ricard. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week or the week after, whatever. Oh.